0: Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte.
1: Hey everyone, I'm your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to this week's episode where we are covering the next batch, a bad batch episodes. We are covering episodes nine through 11. This includes The Crossing, Retrieval, and Metamorphosis. And these are some really excellent episodes and I'm excited to dive into them. Yeah, me too. I think I said
0: right before we started recording that I feel really good about these episodes. I think this is a really good crew I think we start off really strong and we end really strong too. I'm not, not saying that the one in, in between retrieval isn't great as well. They're all really good. And I feel like they're all really unique too and have a different thing that they're saying. Um, I feel like we have a lot to say. So we should just dive on in. Caitlin, which one was your favorite That's out of the ask. crossing, retrieval, and metamorphosis? That's
1: what I was going to ask you. Um, probably the crossing.
0: Yeah, I think so too. But honestly, metamorphosis – um was a shocker for me yeah i didn't expect for the
1: zillow beast to be back i know so, i feel weird even saying it
0: i know me too <laughs> full disclosure caitlin and i are recording this february 20th the episode doesn't come out until march 1st and we got a screener of it so we've seen it and we've actually been holding on to this info for a while <laughs> And I feel like I have been sort of like busting at the scenes to talk about it. So I agree with you that I'm like w- sort of whispering it. Like yeah, the celebrity is back. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. <laughs> it makes me so happy, I don't know, but it also makes me sad cuz of like the subject matter, but <laughs> I really liked how it was well, like it was just really well done. The alien vibes, even Jurassic Park, the Lost World vibes for me. And I like this realization, which I think is actually the tying point between all three episodes: The Crossing, Retrieval, and Metamorphosis. That the Bad Batch is realizing that the cloning and the concept of cloning is bigger than what they knew even before. What they discovered in the last couple episodes, things are just really exploding on a larger scale. And I'm curious because this episode airs on March 1st. It's just, it's interesting to me that the show is overlapping with the Mandalorian premiere. um, And I don't, I haven't seen the Mandalorian and I feel like, we're talking. We're going to be talking about the same things, I guess, yeah. eventually. And I find that sort of, for lack of a better term, synergy between these two properties or potential synergy. I'm not speaking with a fact here. Really interesting, and I am excited to dive into that when we finally see the Mandalorian. I guess, <laughs> but I, I just think that uh, Star Wars feels like it's taking a deep dive into. Not that it had, wasn't doing this before, but a lot of like ethics of cloning and what this means even beyond the Clone Wars, which I think is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And you had put in a good note about, uh, you know, the Mandalorian uh, kind of bumping up against Tross right before it came out with Force Healing and how there was this this really excellent synergy there. And it's interesting to think that we might be getting that with the Mandalorian this season. So. I don't know. It feels like that's where we're going, right? Yeah. Yeah. It just, it feels like it's happening. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And I think that once again, I'm struck by the fact that the Zillow Beast is basically the Purgle of the Clone Wars and the Bad Batch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, every major beast creature is coming back in some form or fashion and we should expect it. The Purgle's taught us and yet, and yet... <laughs> I was not (laughs) expecting the Zillow Beast.
0: Well, here's the thing. I don't know if you have rewatched the Zillow Beast episode recently, like within the past two years. I feel like you actually have, and so have I. I have not, but I did reread the Wikipedia article. Wikipedia article. Nice. Good job. I it ends so ominously, and it's a very sad final episode. Mm -hmm. So I think that we were always going to have or deal with this somewhere. And I'm really happy that it's here. So I am intrigued to see where it goes from here. Um, There's a lot of different elements at play. My point in this, in that you compare it to the Purgles, but I think that the end of... The Zillow Beast arc in the Clone Wars was always so ominous mm-hmm. that it did feel like it was going to someday be touched again. Where I actually like didn't fully feel that way about the Purgles in Rebels. Yeah. It was sort of purposefully <laughs> tied up a little bit with a knot or a bow in, in Rebels, and then they came back later. But uh mm-hmm. the Zillow Beast for me has always felt like something that, oh, that feels big. Like actually. Literally. Big. Big. <laughs> so Literally and figuratively. Let's, uh, <laughs> Yeah. So, like, that has implications. And I hope we see that in the future. And guess what? We are. We're, we're here. It. Wow. <laughs> yes. well,
1: yeah. I think, uh, like I said, I, I there were a lot of pieces of those episodes I didn't remember of the Zillow Beast episodes from the Clone Wars. So, I went back and, like I said, read the Wikipedia. So, just a refresher for those who may not uh, remember all of the details. I think the thing that stays with us, of course, is, you know, the very end, the Godzilla moment on the buildings of Coruscant. And, you know, they end up killing the Zillow Beast beast but the the whole arc of those episodes is about um how the republic the jedi or palpatine specifically want to capture the zillo beast and use it to study basically like their skin uh for like military purposes and like armor and tanks and stuff like that but um and i believe it's Malastare where the zillo beast comes from the people mm-hmm. of Malastare, mm-hmm. they just straight up want to kill the zillo beast because they ran the zillo beast extinct like years and years ago so there's this kind of conflict between Uh, the people of Malastare and the Republic. And the Republic basically decides they're going to trick the people of Malastare to make them think they killed the Zillow Beast and then hide it and use it to study. And this is like Anakin's idea, I think, or he's very in on this this scheme and everything like that. So it becomes very serious. Of course, things get out of hand. And the Zillow Beast... They think is like partially sentient at the end of these episodes, because if you remember, it attacks Palpatine specifically because the Zillow Mm -hmm. Beast saw a hollow of Palpatine ordering its, I think, death or study or something capture like that. And so when the Zillow Beast escapes, it goes after Palpatine specifically, which... It's kind of crazy and, and could be something to keep in mind as we're thinking about this clone and what it can or can't do. And uh, anyway, the episode ends. They kill the Zillow Beast and Palpatine specifically orders that the Zillow Beast be studied for cloning in the future. Uh, which, again, interesting. And uh, in the Wikipedia article, there was this piece about it uh, where someone had asked Dave Filoni about the Zillow during the time of Rebels. And Dave said, let's see, this is what it says on Wikipedia. It says, when asked about the Zillow potential return in Star Wars Rebels following the cancellation of the Clone Wars, Filoni stated during an interview with StarWars.com that a comeback wasn't possible because its scale was too challenging for the production and they had no reason for why the Galactic Empire would clone it though he suggested the possibility of introducing a baby specimen rather than a mechanical one no zillow beast appeared in the show rebels before its ending aired in 2018 so i thought that was a a really interesting so interesting right tidbit because the baby is in this one yeah it was a baby it feels it grew but yeah it was (laughs) and uh, (laughs) you know the the original zillow beast episodes aired in 2010 so we're talking you know almost 15 years ago and oh my gosh these these episodes would have been in production you know in 2007 2008 i would imagine so way before
0: that's like that's sending me into
1: oblivion i can't do you watching those episodes live like i can't handle that yeah yeah i mean these episodes came out like way before the disney sale like two years before the (laughs) Disney sale. It's kind of crazy. What a road it has been. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my god. So I think it is, and Dave is an executive producer on Bad Batch. Um, He hasn't written or directed any of it, but like you were talking about with The Mandalorian, you know, it just, uh, something we've been tracking a lot over these past couple years is, you know, Kamino, cloning, you know, Grogu, Omega, these kind of, different like omega being a special clone what are the kaminoans or kaminoan scientists doing with grogu um we see these scientists here at the end of you know metamorphosis it's it's just it's also interesting and i do also the other piece of that kind of Tidbit from from Dave apparently at the end of the Clone Wars, so that interview would have been around 2012, I imagine, with the cancellation of the Clone Wars and the announcement of Rebels. You know, thinking about the technology not being there and that being too challenging to do a creature of that size, and the fact that they were actually able to revisit it, and you know, it feels like making it a pretty big story detail here in you know 2023, um, premiering the episode in 2023 anyway. And it's just kind of crazy to. See how far things have come and what they are able to accomplish in animation because the other thing about you know this whole season that we've been talking about is just how incredible it looks and how the environments and the emotions on these characters faces are just oh next level literally yeah truly
0: yeah so good i cannot believe how far we've come <laughs> this right? is so crazy i'm like still recovering from you <laughs> yeah. saying it was <laughs> 15 years ago or almost 15 Oh my I, god! i okay. imagine
1: those episodes were in production 15 years ago yeah. Like, so. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's fine. Totally. It's fine.
0: Oh my God. It's funny like thinking back and I don't want to dwell on this too much, but the Zillow Beast, when Caitlin and I were super into the Clone Wars or just getting into it, that arc, which I think is around four episodes, right, Caitlin, was one yep. that you and I were like, let's just throw that one on. Let's go. I felt like there, back when we were really into or getting super into the Clone Wars, that was something that it was, a, it was a big deal. This episode was a big deal because it was a lot of like the Dave Filoni Godzilla inspiration, of course, mm-hmm. that w- went into it. So Dave was very keen to talk about it and things like that. But anyway, that is so wild. Yeah. Um, we should probably dive into talking about The Crossing, though, because I think we're already jumping into the last episode, the episode that came out today <laughs> when this episode is coming out. But The Crossing is just as good, if not better. Of an episode. And before we dive in, sorry, I meant to say this before, we have a couple new writers in the Bad Batch room that I wanted to shout out. Caitlin, you actually noticed this. So The Crossing was written by Brooke Roberts. Retrieval was written by, and I'm sorry if I completely butcher this, Moises Zamora. And Metamorphosis was written by Sabir Perzada, which we have new writers in the room. It's great to have that. And I am just happy to see some new names in this list.
1: Yeah, I feel like The Bad Batch has had an incredibly diverse room of writers so far this season, and it really is great to see. And a lot of women, too, I think. Um, I don't know. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I feel like I've noticed more women writers on this season of The Bad Batch. Um, One thing that was interesting, I was looking up Brooke Roberts when I watched The Crossing, and she used to be a crypto, an Arabic crypto linguist for the U.S. Army, I think was what her title said on Instagram, <laughs> which I don't know. It's a, it's a wow. It's a, I mean, that's a title. The ti- Like to go from that to this, it. I would love to hear her story. You know what I mean? <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's also it's pretty cool to have a veteran working on a show like mm-hmm. The Bad Batch. I think Jennifer Corbett also talks about how yeah. she's so inspired by her father's own military service when writing and working on the Bad batch. So I think that's pretty cool to incorporate that honestly. So Brooke, if you're listening, thank you for your service.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I want to say didn't Jennifer say also that her she have other family like her brothers? Or yeah something? I'm pretty sure so I I'm think a lot sure. of her family has served in the military in some capacity before so yeah, that's a really good point.
0: okay. so anyway, let's dive right into. The Crossing. So I really loved this episode. And I felt like some of the best character moments that we've seen in The Bad Batch so far actually happened <laughs> in The Crossing. Mm-hmm. Um, from what could have possibly been a sort of I, I I mean this, I don't mean this in a mean way, but a sort of run-of-the-mill Sid mission episode ended up being one of the most like emotionally um charged episodes of The Bad Batch so far in both seasons. For me, I felt like the main takeaway was Omega really feeling all the feelings possible about Echo leaving and being frustrated that her feelings weren't validated by other members of the Bad Batch, specifically Tech. And her working through that with Tech and Tech talking to her about that, I think we got some confirmation that Tech is neurodivergent, which I thought was such a brilliant conversation with Tech saying Echo chose a different path, as did Crosshair. I have respect for their decision, even though it may be difficult to understand. We must carry on. I may process moments and thoughts differently, but it does not mean that I feel any less than you. I just felt like that was so beautifully written and said and just a really well done conversation. I also felt like the environment, it was interesting that they they this mission sort of reflected Omega's own explosive emotions with an explosive mind, I guess, Mm -hmm. a long cavern that is shadowy and dark and explosive. I just feel like it was the perfect setting for Omega to deal with these really big emotions. I just, I really loved this episode.
1: Yeah, I think, I think you said it, uh, about this being some of the best character development we've had or character moments, I guess we should say. This season has been such a focus on tech and it's been it's been so great. Tech was my favorite of the Bad Batch last season and this season just continues uh, with that. And I think really getting to see him and Omega at odds in this episode was just so perfect to ultimately have this kind of conversation that they have after they go through the water wall into the lake down below. I don't, I don't know the geography of <laughs> the water wall. The water yeah. the water wall. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I realized as I was talking, I didn't really know how to describe. I think it's both a wall and a then wall. water and what then a lake. Like, <laughs> so. a, ta- a, a water slide. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> um, it seems so dangerous. <laughs> it's really dangerous. I think that these episodes in this whole season has done a really good job of not letting emotions kind of drop episode to episode. And I think particularly with sometimes with shows geared at younger audiences um, and shows that have kind of that mission of the week style, it can be really easy to just let these emotions kind of reset at the end of every episode. You know what I mean? But I think that this season has done a really good job with Omega, particularly of letting her emotions carry over episode to episode and seeing these like emotional responses from her about the things that are happening around her. Like, we saw this perfectly uh, in episode one and two of, you know, her overhearing that conversation from Echo about, you know, what they're doing and and how it's, you know, she thinks it's her fault and how she's really upset about that and how it kind of sends her into this almost like a spiral about getting back that um, treasure from Dooku's planet, you know? Uh, So to see that kind of same emotion here of her being so upset, you know, yelling at the other crew members like... I want to be alone and not wanting to talk to anyone I think was just so beautifully done. And I really liked, I liked them having this kind of argument before, you know, they, we get to our, our moment of understanding here in the end, like when they're first arguing and and it's just like tech and Omega kind of against each other and Wrecker and Hunter in the middle of them, like... What are you like? What are you doing, Tech? Like, you need to, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, when Tech says the squad existed before Echo was a part of it and will, it will exist after. And then he finishes it with, What is your issue? Um, I think everyone, like, the Wrecker and Hunter were both like, That was, that was kind of harsh. And I remember when I first heard it too, thinking, That's kind of harsh, Tech. Like, are you remembering how young Omega is in all of this? And I don't know. I just, I really liked kind of seeing the sulky and angsty. Omega and I can see some of that kind of teenage attitude in her developing, and I think that's important. Um, you know, she's not perfect character, and she is a child. And you had put in here that she feels deeply. And anyway, I just I, I think this was such a great um, episode, and the writing in it was just so spot on with these conversations that they were having. And um, I really loved when they were down sitting by the water and when Omega asks that question of Tech, like, we're a family, why don't you act like it? And there's such this, like, moment of pause as you really see Tech think about what Omega has said and how to tell her how he processes things. And, of course, Omega accepts it. And I think in the next couple episodes, we have these great moments between the two of them where you can tell that there's that they're on the same page once again.
0: Yeah, completely. And I think the water is a good symbolism there.
1: Yes. I was waiting for you to, I didn't want to steal your yeah. thunder on the water.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I th- I always say water is like baptism, but often it's renewal and um, restarting cleansing. and cleansing. Yeah. And that's exactly what happens, right? They jump into the pool and then they emerge and they have this great conversation. And uh, I also think that I, I will never have an episode where there is flowing water where I can't say that it looks <laughs> so good, <laughs> right? I mean, the animation is just so beautiful. I also like Omega's shaggy wet hair. I, yeah, oh, that was that was great. <laughs> I like. Uh, what's the what's the proper word? But it was giving like goth vibes a little bit. Emo, um, <laughs> a little. Yeah, emo. I was gonna say emo, but. It was reminding me a, a little bit about that. I think that went for, with her emotions as well. Yeah. Um, I really liked the look of this planet, too, sort of separately. I think the colors are really brilliant, honestly. I think this planet – this is one of those great examples of how animation and showing something in animation versus, like, real tangible environments um, it can make a sci-fi world, like – in the Bad Badge feel just so unique. This planet very well could have just been like tattooing-esques, tans and sand and things like that. But instead mm-hmm. it were we're dealing with like purples and reds. pinks and reds and blues also, which I thought it was just a really beautiful color palette that I, I really appreciated. And it looked really good against their new armor too, which is way more colorful. And I just really appreciate how the Bad Batch is kind of leaning into this colorful color scheme often, like more often than not, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I really like that. Um Also, this episode gave us Another moment that I can just put in my back pocket for not trusting Sid. I've said it for a long time. The <sighs> fact that she didn't help them right away is actually insane. <laughs> kind of. uh, and sh- she says, you know, I'll see what I can do in a few days and then hangs up. I mean, they got to get out of there. They got to stop. And I know that they're afraid of the blackmail um, situation. And that comes up in the next episode, Retrieval. But this one, I was like, they have no ship. Their home is gone. That's another thing that I feel like we didn't really talk about that much. I think I really latched on to the fact that Omega is sad because Echo is gone. But another sort of nail in the coffin, if you will, is the fact that their ship gets stolen. And that is just really, really puts them in a really rough place and just really demoralizing. Right. And I feel like I could fully understand. Omega in that moment where, as a kid, your emotions are just so big and you, your experience is also so small. So your life is very tied to routine and your home and what you're familiar with. And I feel like the ship, I to them, is their home, but more so for Omega, it is really her home. And I think that was a really low blow for Omega as well. So she was really dealing with that. And I know that they're all dealing with it, but that really felt like, wow, they really, this story kicked Omega when she was down <laughs> pretty hard.
1: I know. All I could think about was Lula on the ship. I was like, I they have too. to get her back.
0: But okay, so I was thinking about Gonky. Yeah, I was like, the Gonki's on the ship. And that comes up, obviously, in the next episode. So we can talk about that now. But I was like, Gonki's there. What about Gonki? Of course, <laughs> when I first watched this, I was like, I wasn't like, they can use Gonki to find the ship. Which comes up in retrieval. And I was like, yes, but... You know, Gonky is, um, (laughs) it sounds so crazy when I say the word Gonky, but because it sounds like donkey, right? Gonky is just the hidden love of the Bad Batch, in my opinion. I feel like I just am so obsessed with this trash can droid. And the fact that there's not that much attention that is paid to him until retrieval, where in the next episode, I don't want to get too far ahead, but when they, when they find Gonky and they say, you know, Benny, friggin' Benny is like, he, he's just like a beat up old battery. <laughs> and they're like, not to us. And he's really our just, beat up battery. He's oh, Yeah, he's our beat up battery. And and like the reason why they're able to find the ship. So Gonky supremacy, Gonky forever, <laughs> Gonky... Is might be
1: my favorite member of the Bad Bash. Gonki really hasn't had a good shout out this season so far. It's I know. Definitely where season two is lacking in the I gonky know. content. My favorite part of gonky is when you have the subtitles on and it's just like gonky mumbles, gonky murmurs, <laughs> gonky clonks. Like it just- I know. <laughs> <It's> so funny. <laughs> really? uh, oh my gosh. Um <laughs> but, yeah, to to go back to, I guess, kind of bridging between these two episodes a little bit, you know, the loss of the Marauder is a big deal because, of course, we also have the loss of Camino that is also weighing heavily on Omega. And our last episode, you know, we, of course, don't know how much time has passed between the last episode and this episode, but, you know, Omega had to... In a pretty visceral way, relive the destruction of Kamino and also know that their actions there on Coruscant have some pretty heavy ramifications for other clones. And to hear that the senator from Kamino say that she didn't care about the fact that Kamino was destroyed or that the other Kaminoans were destroyed. So, that home, you know, we've seen Omega talk a lot about home. She's talked about that with Camino, and, you know, now. Having that family unit is so important to her and I think that this season and throughout her life this was something we talked about last week, but this season really feels like she's starting to put together these bigger pieces of the galaxy and really kind of understand the injustices that are happening around it. And in a much bigger way, I think than she did last season, right? Like Omega has always been empathetic towards others and wanted to help others. And, and even like talking about Sid, having, um, like giving Sid the benefit of the doubt. And I think we're beginning to see that crack a little bit. She's, I wouldn't say she's becoming jaded, but she's definitely having a more realistic view of the galaxy. And I'm really excited to see where that takes her in the future, you know? Um, But to go back to this discussion of home, I think that, it's it's a great bridge into the next episode with her conversation with Benny at the very end of the episode where she tells him you know you can go anywhere you want now and Benny says well this is my home like where else would i go and i think omega you know does really understand that connection that tie to a place to a thing like all she has is the bad batch and the marauder and you know you feel those pieces slipping away first Camino, then cross, uh, the, then crosshair, then echo, and then the Marauder. That's a lot. And so I think she, it was nice to have that connection with Benny in, in the next episode of retrieval about home and what it means. And, and even to see someone like Benny staying and fighting for his home, because it did mean something to him, just like she couldn't initially understand because there were so many awful things happening to Benny on this planet. But through the course of the episode and them getting to know each other, I think she could kind of see those parallels of her wanting to fight for the Marauder and him wanting to, you know, stay and maybe make a better life on this planet now that Mako is gone. Yeah, completely. I think that that
0: was – okay, first off, anytime Omega can talk to someone who's close to her age, I think you yield a lot of really interesting conversations or growth moments from Omega and I felt like this episode, Retrieval, number one, it, I, it felt like a full-on solo parallel. The entire situation was very solo to me. From the fact that there's the mines reminded me of the Kessel mines, but then also just the beginning of solo. It just reminded me a lot of what Han and Kira were doing on Corellia early on. I would argue that the situation on this planet is worse than it was on Carilia. What do I know, though? I
1: don't. Literally, so bleak, though. I know it's both so bleak. When I, I making that comparison, like,
0: doesn't even make sense. When so. there's
1: no Han on this yeah. planet, when the kid, <laughs> I guess that's the thing. When there's no that's Han, the <laughs> I think yeah. the older kid, Drake, he could be a Han. Yeah, um, mm. like there, he he had the coolest face tattoos, but. Uh yeah, when they had to share that one bowl of soup or whatever between all the other kids, so bleak, so bleak, so bleak. I can't believe his name is Benny. We need to talk about that.
0: I I have no nothing to add beyond we have another Ben. <laughs> we need, we need in, to talk about Star Wars, and yeah. that's it. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's worth mentioning. Okay, we have another Benny, Ben, Benny. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Regardless, I feel like the story that this episode painted was, like you said, super bleak and very clear. I liked how at the end of this episode, Omega has a moment of reflection where she says, the Empire isn't the only threat. We've seen so many in the galaxy like Mako. When, after Mako dies and the kids have now equal share of the profits, which I don't believe. I don't buy that. It's just sad. And then Tech says, however, there are many of many like us out there as well. And that is something. And I think that's the moment of hope that Star Wars should inspire, of course. But for me, it solidifies even more that the bad batch has a larger, Purpose, or just a separate purpose than what we might be familiar with with other within other Star Wars stories, like the Rebellion or anything like that. They're very much aware of the smaller um, atrocities that are happening across the galaxy, not just the Empire, but things like this, where people are taking advantage of other people in bleak circumstances. And I think Omega commenting on that just shows that. They have the Bad Batch themselves have such a strong sense of justice that you know that they're going to sort it out each time they encounter it, um, at least in a small way. And I think that makes me think of what's happening with Echo and Rex and how Echo and Rex seem to be on a similar path, maybe specifically more with the clones, but with other the other clones out there. But um, and that feels like something that the Bad Batch can intersect with and have also in their back pocket to help with if Rex and Echo need them. But um, this also feels like a pretty solid vocation for them um, to encounter this injustice and deal with that injustice. Yeah. I really liked this episode. This one was another one that I felt like maybe in the past or if it was done a different way, I wouldn't like it because it feels like a little bit of a one-off story, but I ended up really enjoying it. I just think it was really well done. And I I have this feeling that people aren't going to like the character of Benny just because (laughs) I just feel like people aren't going to like him. But I ended up kind of liking him. I thought he was an interesting character where I couldn't fully read him on whether or not he was going to help or hurt. Um, And I, I liked that. It kept me on my toes.
1: Benny was definitely someone like caught in the system and couldn't even see like a way out or imagine a a version of their reality where mako wasn't actually taking care of them so because all throughout the episode he keeps kind of saying like you know like it's so lucky like mako had mako even had to cut wages but he's like doing it all for us you know and i think even omega is looking at him like um Okay, (laughs) but he, I think, really buys into it. And he's so stuck in the system that all he wants, the biggest achievement he can imagine is being top earner like that's he he doesn't even seem to think of a life outside of this planet and but when the truth is revealed to him he immediately takes action and i don't know i loved the scene uh on the the whole kind of end of the episode with the standoff with mako and the other kids and then the bad batch too the way that the bad batch kind of um i forget if it, i think it was droids but after the truth is revealed and Mako tells the droids to, you know, take out the the other kids standing there, uh, the Bad Batch shoot the droids and get rid of them. But they don't actually take care of Mako. Like, they let the kids do it. You know, it was, I don't know. I thought it was kind of a great moment <laughs> there to show that they were on their side. Also, how amazing was it when Omega just casually leapt from that yeah, that was bold and like totally timed it perfectly to to be caught by Hunter.
0: <laughs> that was
1: like something a force user would do, right. but she just did it. and She just like <laughs> makes you think. Climbs that really does. Uh, speak- yeah. <laughs> Speaking of force users, something I two things I wanted to note is that I keep forgetting to mention how much I love Omega's little bow and arrow. I just I love it so much. I think it looks amazing. Same. And I love how different it is, really, than any other. The fact that it's pink. Right? It's like a pinky purple. It's so great. It's so good. Um, (laughs) Also, the scene where Hunter is rappelling into the building and they were surprised, like this is towards the beginning of the episode, uh, and they were surprised at that droid guarding guarding it down there. And they were all talking to Benny, like, you told us no one was in there. And he was like, well, there wasn't. At the time, <laughs> I don't know. It just really made me think how easy Jedi have it. You know, if Anakin was in yeah. this scene, he would have just jumped from the side Sliced. of the building lit his lightsaber in the middle of the air and sliced the droid upon impact with the ground. And it would have been... Constantly slicing and dicing. Constantly. <laughs> and Hunter is there hanging on the side of the wall like, all right, cool. What am I going to do? <laughs> and then just yeah. full body tackles the droid. I mean, if you think about it, remember all the times that
0: Rex and the rest of the clones actually benefited from the Force too? When right? Anakin would like yeah. force levitate them and things like that? I mean they really benefited too. Yeah,
1: no, they very much did. <laughs>
0: the clones probably missed that a little bit. You know, that good relationship, number one, but then also that help. I don't know. Do it's they?
1: I, most of them believe mm. them to be traitors. <laughs> That's what I mean. It's like, yeah. the, I feel like
0: the action is what they miss versus anything else. Exactly. exactly. But,
1: but I feel like they had that scene kind of played out a lot longer than it would have if we had had a jedi in that situation and absolutely i was just reflecting on how easy jedi tended to- <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah, I, I like this episode. i I feel for you with how people are gonna react to Benny. I feel like most people, sometimes the initial reaction to these like young kids in Star Wars isn't generally positive. <laughs> but hopefully I'm wrong because I do think Benny is an interesting character. You know, he kind of reminded me, of um, I forget what season it is in Clone Wars, but remember that episode where Anakin and Obi Wan have to go to that planet where no one can leave, and it's like the ghost ships, or it's like yeah. it's like an asteroid yeah. field basically that makes it like a, a graveyard to enter into the planet. And there's that one kid there with all of his refurbished battle droids, like running oh, the palace. Yeah, you remember this? <laughs> Right, and he like yeah, thinks that was cool. He thinks it's like the <laughs> the way that he talked, the kid talked about it was like I think they described it as like the gods keep mm-hmm. the ships or crash the ships, basically. I don't know for some reason Benny kind of reminded me of that kid, maybe because we haven't had like a small young boy similar in, in age a in a while. But yeah, I found myself thinking of him, and I, I kind of think they had similar personalities too. But that was kind mm-hmm. of a weird episode. Anyway, uh, that was definitely off track. <laughs> I apologize, <laughs> but no, you're good. Yeah, I enjoyed this episode. I think it was really great connectivity to the last episode, this discussion of home and the Ipsium, if that will come into play too as we get further mm-hmm. into the season. Yeah, and and kind of going off of, you know, like our, our whole kind of little arc with Tech and Omega, you know, Tech and Omega having that conversation at the end about, you know, hope for the galaxy. I think it was great that it was Tech to give her this, kind of very, you know, Tech is someone who's so factual and by the books, right? And I think that's part of what he was kind of talking to her about in the last episode about how he processes things and, and how he sees the world and processes feelings a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And most of how he talks is in facts and, and figures and, and things like that. I think it was great that it was Tech who was able to give her this really heartfelt feeling of hopefulness at the end of an episode like this where she had to see all of these kids in in really dire circumstances. And I thought it was a nice kind of semi-conclusion in a way to uh, everything that they talked about in the last episode.
0: I, I, I'm glad that you commented on that because it's clear that that was a f- follow-up from mm-hmm. before. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed that. Okay, let's talk about metamorphosis. First thing I want to comment on is the title. So, we've talked a little bit already about this episode in the very beginning of this podcast episode, but I feel like metamorphosis is a good eerie title for <laughs> for this because it I think it, you know, underscores the transformation that happens with the Zilla beast itself. Um as it eats the energy and changes, but also I think it's uh, a, a metamorphosis is like a full change. Right. And I think what the bad batch encounter in this episode is an understanding that things are much larger than themselves. And I think they too are also experiencing a major change in the way that they view themselves, the world and cloning, I guess, in general, um, and Omega is a really key piece in this episode that I wanted to comment on. Oftentimes, I just really appreciate when it comes back to the fact that when Omega spent a lot, all her life before the Bad Batch with Nala Say, she was in the lab helping her in the lab. She knows the equipment, she knows the science. And it was interesting to see her encounter similar tech in this episode, but it was different. And she also recognized that there was more cloning happening off of Kamino. I have a lot of swirling thoughts (laughs) that I don't know where to place, (laughs) I think, with this. And just even talking about the crossover with the Mandalorian, I think something that really perplexes me is how the Kamino symbol is on Dr. Pershing's uniform in in The Mandalorian. And I guess you could say that it has to do with Mount Tantis. Potentially, that's what we're going to deal with. I don't know. I don't really have any place to put that. I don't really have anything left to say about that. But it's nice to see that explored here. Maybe it'll come back in The Mandalorian. Who's to say? If not in this season, maybe next season. I don't know. But I did really enjoy the alien themes in this episode. It was downright spooky and scary, and the way that it opened is so alien. I also think that it's interesting on how how on Mount Tantis there are Weyland facilities, and that's obviously a direct rip from the Weyland Corp in Alien. I thought that was cool. And I also really, I'm sorry I'm taking over and sort of monologuing, but the, the doctor that is introduced in this episode, Dr. Hemlock, is downright scary, and his voice is like velvet in this weird Way. I don't know. Did you feel this? Like, I felt like it was, um, he was, I I just wanted to hear him speak. <laughs> and that is a scary part of a villain, you know? Did you feel that?
1: Or is it just me? He has that kind of Thrawn calmness, you yes, know? Yes, that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> the Thrawn calm.
0: <laughs> yeah. And obviously, the name Hemlock, a, a deadly plant, um, he's evil. So, There you go.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think this, there's a lot happening in this episode that feels like one will come back to throughout the rest of the season, potentially into The Mandalorian and into future seasons of The Bad Batch, too. I know one thing I found myself thinking a lot about in this episode was with Nala Say you know, coming back to her and how um, when Dr. Hemlock is talking to her from the cell, you know, she says that I'm not exactly motivated to continue my work after the empire destroyed my civilization. This is a really different response than the senator from Camino. And I don't know if we've really talked in depth or or really at all about just the tragedy of Camino, (laughs) you know, Star Wars is tragedy. But man, on Camino, it really is like to think about the fact that this planet was just kind of casually erased for the existence uh, from existence for the benefit of like the war, the Republic Palpatine fill in the blank, and then so easily destroyed by the empire as well. Simply, you know, as tech says at the end of the episode, so that the empire could control cloning capabilities and technology is just, it's kind of insane. And to think about just the casual citizens of Kamino, how, like, what were they told, you know, during the period before Attack of the Clones and, you know, then kind of being brought back to the galactic stage in a really big way with the clone army and then just gone in the blink of an eye. I don't know. It just, it kind of, I was kind of thinking about kind of the whole timeline, I guess, of Kamino over the past, like, 10 to 15 years to 30 years in Star Wars timeline. And it's it's really sad. <laughs> yeah, it's really sad. And clearly Nala Say is also really sad. Yeah. I think that's something
0: that I appreciate. I feel like the character of Nala Say isn't talked about enough. I think she's super interesting and isn't – I think it's easy to think about the cloners of Kamino as having – a clinical purpose and sort of emotionless and things like that. But Nala Se is clearly not. And it's very clear that they're going to use Omega as her bait to get her to talk and to get her to speak up about the special cloning projects that she was doing with Omega present. right? And I think you're so on the nose about we have not recovered from the tragedy of Camino. I think this entire season actually is about how no one has recovered from the tragedy of Camino mm-hmm. and everyone's just sort of existing and not really knowing what the heck to do, including Nala Say, including the entire Bad Batch. Like, no one knows what it all means right and this entire episode really blows that wide open and makes you realize like okay they might have destroyed Kamino but the reason why they did that is because they wanted to control everything right they wanted to control cloning and the power of cloning on one spot on this like imposing mountain so the empire can conduct crazy scientific experiments it's a lot
1: yeah, and I think it's important to note that Nala Se says that she knows what Emperor Palpatine seeks to accomplish. And he, she says he will not have my cooperation. The Kaminoans know a lot. I don't know what they know, but they know it, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> this thing about Nala Se and Omega's relationship was something that was kind of seeded in last season, I think. I can't remember where, or, like, the exact details of it, but I remember thinking there was some moment where someone had kind of hinted at or alluded to Nalise's, I guess, affection for Omega. Omega. And I remember talking about and kind of wondering what that meant or where we would see it. And it does look like we're going to be seeing it uh, this season, potentially. One thing I wanted to
0: know about Camino versus potentially Mount Tantus is, I think Camino has a rich tradition of being cloners by trade, right? Like that is part of their culture. It's who they are. They are cloners, right? And d- by the Empire destroying that, they also destroyed any sort of order around that cloning and sort of ethics, I guess, around it as well. I don't think that clones... I, that's. I mean, this is the huge question of the prequels, right? Like, is creating the clones ethical? <laughs> but I think that we can sort of agree that the way that it was done on Kamino was okay, right? I guess. (laughs) I mean, they they created millions of people and a solid army and for this fake war. I mean, we've talked about it forever, but I do think that they, when it all comes down to it, like they're good cloners, right? And by destroying Topoca City, by destroying Camino by wiping it from the map, it was wiped off the map before, and now it's wiped off the map again, but in a much bigger way. They're able to remove any sort of ethics that would have ever been associated with Camino, which, like I mentioned, probably is slim, but definitely there. And now on Mount Tantis, they get, they're free to do whatever the hell they need to, to enact their power, to create weapons, to do the stuff that they were not doing with the clone army back during the clone wars and it's not just the kaminoans anymore it's the kaminoans held against their will it's their stealing of technology it's much darker than it ever was right i hope that made sense yeah
1: no no no, it does and i think that is what the Bad Batch are realizing at the end of the episode as they're kind of looking at what exactly was going on. The fact that Omega recognizes this technology but knows that it's different than anything that was happening uh, on Camino, I think is really important. One of the small moments that I liked in this episode, which talking about small moments, I almost wonder if we should bring back, I, I forget what what season it was of what show, but it was when we would talk about like our two highs and two lows or like our favorite small moment from an episode. (laughs) Do you remember? Yeah. I I think it was actually, it might've been Bad Batch season one. I think it was
0: resistance. Was it resistance? I don't
1: know. Um, We might need to bring that back because this feels so random. But I think one of my favorite small moments from this episode was um, after the Zillow Beast escapes and Tech so matter-of-factly says that the Zillow Beast ate the crew and Omega freaks out. (laughs) She she says it (laughs) back to him three times or something like that. You know, he ate the crew it ain't the crew. And she <laughs> she just backs into Wrecker, and Wrecker has his hands on her shoulders, asking Tech, how is that helping right now?
0: Yeah, there's a lot of horror, horrible <laughs> things that are just said pretty matter-of-factly that I think... <laughs> are actually perfect for the show
1: <laughs> like, if I'm being
0: honest I think it's uh it's it's just great I mean, this episode is quite scary but it's uh it's I don't know I totally agree with you that was a <laughs> really funny moment <laughs>
1: uh <laughs> I think that you know this I think this is Thinking about the Zillow Beast and it's if you have seen the Clone Wars and know where the Zillow Beast comes from, you know, I think we were all kind of overwhelmed at the end of that episode of the Clone Wars because it's definitely played very tragically. The fact that this is the very last Zillow Beast and they've killed it here in this, you know, incredibly industrialized city place where it doesn't belong. You know, the the end of the Zillow Beast. That that episode is called The Zillow Beast Strikes Back, which I think feels like so early Clone Wars to have an episode that is both Godzilla (laughs) and named to be the Empire Strikes Back. (laughs) (laughs) yeah you're so right
0: (laughs) well the episode itself is kind of campy and i think a title like strikes back is also kind of campy like they were doing something when they did the zilla beast episode you know
1: the the promotion the marketing they did a lot of marketing for the zilla beast uh actually like remember they had like all the posters that were all the godzilla posters and anyway yes
0: in retrospect because of dave's comments about it's so expensive to do this You now realize why there was so much promotion right. because they really had to make it count. <laughs> I um,
1: you know, you say those episodes are campy, but they're so dark, truly. The fact that they the are, Republic, but I think the
0: concept itself is campy. I mean, the
1: fact that it's like Godzilla and you Yeah. I think in those um they weren't they're not Rebels Recon, but whatever on the DVDs, whatever they're called for the mm. Rebels Recon equivalent mm. for Clone Wars at that time, I think Dave is pretty much Saying, I wanted to do Godzilla, and it took me however long to get it, and here it is. <laughs> so <laughs> it took me like what, like two seasons? Okay, yeah, but that's like yeah. five years in yeah, totally, animation totally. time. Okay, so <laughs> it's a long it's time, which kind of funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway. You know those episodes are really dark about like the military and how they want to there's this whole discussion about if they if the Republic is going to aid in making this species go completely extinct like it's super dark and the fact that it ends with the cloning of it all and the end of that episode is definitely the tone of it is tragic it's sad it's somber and I think you go through those first two episodes kind of scared of the Zillow Beast, right? But then by the end of it, it's it's so sad. And I found myself kind of having a very similar reaction in this episode too, of being really scared of the Zillow Beast. And then once the Empire arrives and shot it down and captured it again, I was kind of brought back to the end of the Clone Wars and seeing it struggle at the end, I felt so sad of thinking that, you know, it's this incredible creature right and it's going to be used to this for this horrible purpose again free the zillow beast free the zillow beast
0: totally i mean i think that's the whole thing about godzilla too right
1: yeah yeah so and
0: like any leviathan type concept um yeah interesting is it the creature or Uh, the ones fighting the creature right the king kong of it all as Mm. well so another thing to comment on is to just return to my anti sid behavior and uh, say that that Sid says don't come back unless you scavenge something valuable and I can't remember who says I think it was Hunter he says what makes you think we'll come back at all and I think they're just so done they're so done but they have to maintain some sort of relationship with her because of the blackmail and the knowledge that she has on them. And that's something that she lords over them as well. So we'll see where that ends. anti Sid behavior is happening right now. They need to (laughs) cut ties. Let's move on.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think I had such hopes after the episode with Maligi, the she didn't even care.
0: Even Omega's like, we paid off your debts with Maligi. I know. And she know. was like, whatever.
1: Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I had such hopes because in those episodes, she, Sid looked so like overcome with gratitude as much as Sid can in those moments of the fact that the Bad Batch saved her in those moments uh, during the riot racing. I had hope, but the back half, these last episodes, it doesn't, it doesn't look good for Sid, so I don't know. Maybe she'll maybe she'll pull a Hail Mary or something to come back into our good graces. But I I think I'm leaning with you that it's time for them to leave her. And I mean, ultimately, I think we would have always been leaning to this, right? And our like weekly discussions about purpose and belonging and. The Bad Batch's purpose is not to do these one-off jobs of transporting frozen chicken nuggets for Sid across the galaxy. You know, so not the, not the chicken nuggets. The fact that it's chicken nuggets. <laughs> Nerf nuggets. No one talked about this <laughs> except for us. What we did, we did. <laughs> Coming to you with a hard-hitting analysis. <laughs>
0: Nerf is chicken. <laughs>
1: <laughs> are they in the shapes? It just, it's, I, I don't know. It's just hilarious to me. Did they have to have like special equipment on their ship to keep it frozen? You know what I mean? I just, these are things I'd like to know. Also, yeah. I want to know who decided this. Who was like, you know what? Let's have Hunter and Echo be <laughs> transporting frozen well, what What
0: probably happened is in the draft, it was food and then it just got refined into, <laughs> well, what would, you know, stay. It would be something frozen. All right, let's do chicken nuggets. I'm
1: surprised they, you know? they didn't just make it like a Meilu run. Like, when in doubt, make it a Melu run.
0: That's a that's a Rebels thing, let's be
1: real. I know it's a Rebels thing, but it would be, like, it could be here. It would be nice. It's a, it's I, a it. in the yeah. galaxy. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, right. I'm glad we have frozen Nerf nuggets now. Um, anyway, that is not the Bad Batch's higher purpose. <laughs> They're higher calling. <laughs> so, of course, <laughs> at some point we would be leaving Sid, but I had hoped it would be on better terms but it definitely doesn't doesn't look like it
0: <laughs> yeah totally
1: anyway i feel like i really enjoyed
0: all of these episodes so much um i think these are i don't know if they're my favorite yet but i do feel like the latter half of the season is stronger than it is than the than the front half mm-hmm. and they're just like all bangers and i also feel like we're dealing with like harder emotions also now so yeah there's some really good episodes coming up too i'm really excited to talk about them and the next time we're talking about the bad batch by the way is march 22nd where we'll talk about episodes 12 13 and 14 and then the next episode after that will be after the two-part finale
1: casual it's it's coming up quickly Uh, It really is. It's so crazy. We're almost at the end of the Bad Batch. It's wild. It is wild. Yeah, I think these. I think that the crossing might be my favorite episode so far. Um, The the whole last week's episodes with truth or our our last episode on Bad Batch with uh, truth and consequences, and I can't think of the other one. Um, The other title: Clone Conspiracy. Clone Conspiracy. Thank you. Clone Conspiracy and Truth and Consequences. Those ones were so juicy and good you know what i mean but there's something about the crossing that was just so emotional and lovely and heartfelt between tech and omega that i'm obsessed with it so i think that may be my favorite episode so far this season overall and one that i think about a lot when thinking about these characters in the future
0: yeah absolutely i mean how could you not
1: all right. Well, is there anything else you want to mention? Any small moments we didn't properly acknowledge? Any gonky gonks? Probably. Gon- gonky gonks. Any final gonkies? Um, <laughs> no. Just <laughs>
0: gonky forever.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, at one time when Charlotte and I were in Disney World, um, we got a little gonky Little okay,
0: I got it. I still have it. I know, but it falls over all the time. It does not (laughs) stand flat, which maybe
1: part of it is
0: gonky. (laughs) But I really wanted to like get a video of it walking. It's one of those wind up toys that has that walks, but he doesn't. He does. It doesn't work. It's defective.
1: But he's yours. Effective. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly I, what I wanted you to say. I, <laughs> I think it probably has something to do with the fact that he was smushed in some backpack or something we had like all day. Because um, if you yeah. remember, I remember walking around that day and you could hear him in the bag. It was like he had been eternally wound up and we were we'd be walking and going. And he was, was just out And he was gonk, just yeah. like, gonking in the bottom of the bag. <laughs>
0: What is that melody?
1: <laughs> it's just <laughs> gonky, gonking. <laughs> what is that strange, sweet sound <laughs> wafting around us right now? Tis gonky, the trash can droid.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh,
1: anyway, all right. Well, that was a good final gonky moment. <laughs> um thank you guys for listening to these episodes like charlotte said we'll be back on march 22nd to talk about episodes 12 13 and 14 and we will have bad batch content out or sorry we will have sorry we will also be covering the mandalorian which will be out by the time of our next bad batch episode the time of that you're listening to this episode too so I don't know. I'm kind of, as we were recording this, I was wondering what if the first episode of The Mandalorian is like all about Mount Tantus?
0: <laughs> if it is, we'll cover it on the next yes. episode or we'll talk about it in our Mandalorian discussion episode. Cause like I mentioned, we haven't actually seen it. We don't know. Yeah. I'm just kind of. And also, when this episode comes out, like I don't know what's even going to be on the feed. So.
1: We'll see. Okay, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, so, I don't know. I was thinking about that but as we were discussing metamorphosis. I was like, huh, I wonder if, indeed, that first episode of The Mandalorian will just be a direct... <laughs> attachment to this episode of Bad Batch. Wouldn't that be crazy? But anyway, we'll be talking about it all. You know where to find us. If you want to find us on Twitter, you can find us uh, at Pod or our personal handles. Charlotte is at Crarity. Mine is at Caitlin plusher We also have our website, Skytalkers.com. Instagram, TikTok, um facebook all good places to find us you can also email us hello at skytalkers.com if you want to email us directly and if you haven't left us a review yet on apple podcasts or spotify we would really appreciate it if you took a couple seconds to go and do that as it really helps other people find our show and if you're interested in other ways to support us you can head on over to our patreon and check out our different reward tiers there okay i have a surprise oh okay Oh my god, is that gonky?
0: (laughs) Will you gonk again?
1: (laughs) Oh my god, he won't stop. So this is what's happening. What is that sweet melody? melody?
0: Exactly. Okay. All right, gonky, you must stop. And of course, he does not stand up. All right. I would like to thank these amazing amazing patrons. Thank you for that gonky interlude. I'm sorry if it like blew off your speakers. I don't know what that sounded like. Okay. But I was rummaging through my drawers. I was like, I know he's in here.
1: You put him in a drawer. <laughs> oh. Yeah, oh, I put him in a drawer okay. gonky. We need to be
0: very clear. My desk is An Um, abomination (laughs) of Star Wars (laughs) merchandise and collectibles. I need to stop buying little trinkets, but I can't stop. I can't stop buying little trinkets. I can't stop. Nor
1: do I want to. So... (laughs) Okay. All right. I think <laughs> right. you need to swap one out for Gonki after this, but all right, go on. Let's thank the patrons.
0: I want to say a huge thank you to these patrons at long last. Tom, Allison, Catherine, Anna, Jeff, Kate, Mason, and Sophia, Maggie, King, Kelly, Chuck, Chris, Colton, Anders, Britt, Colin, Logan, another Skywalker, John, Kat, Fernanda, Lindsay, Timothy, Matthew, Patrick, Blast Points, and Molly. Thank you so much for supporting us.
1: Yes, thank you guys so much. And as always, until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you.